can I just say thank you very much for that. That's very kind and very generous of you. I said in the first service that that was a real surprise, but I can't actually say that this time because it happened the first time, so I was assuming it was going to happen this one too, but you know what I mean. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We appreciate your love and your, and your kindness and your generosity extended towards us. And we do love every one of you. It's true. So this morning, do you guys want to sit? I asked you last time and you all looked. Would you like to, would you like to take a seat? Wonderful. So we've been doing this series for Advent and, uh, and we were asked at the beginning what we'd like to speak on and I said, well, I want to take love. And uh, I asked to speak on it because I believe that we don't really understand what love is. And I'm sure that a lot of the time we actually don't live it. So I became a Christian some 27 years ago and I learned then that God loves us and that we're supposed to love others. And I thought at the time, well, how the heck am I supposed to do that? I don't even like everybody. It's true, isn't it? Do you like everybody? Guess what? Not everybody likes you either. That, 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 that was another realisation I had, that not everybody likes me and I don't like everybody. But what I did learn is that love and like are two completely different things. We actually don't have to like everybody, but we are called to love them. And we're going to talk about what that means in a moment. Because, you know, sometimes I don't like the way that people behave. And sometimes I don't like the way that they talk. I don't like the language that they use. I don't like what some people do. I don't even like what I do sometimes. But guess what? Do you think that God likes the way that we behave sometimes? Do you think that he likes the way that we talk sometimes? Do you think he likes what we do sometimes? No, he doesn't. But God still loves us, right? We know that. So what is this love? What does it look like? 1 Corinthians 13, known as the love chapter. And many of you would have heard it read, particularly at weddings, it's used a lot. But often we don't take the time to actually understand it and think about what it really means. Let's read it together. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then it tells us what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. 
It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. So we can see here that love is what love is very clearly. And if we're honest, we would have to say that we don't always behave that way. But Jesus lived this way. He showed love to everyone. He is patient. He is kind. He is not rude. And he's not irritable. He isn't full of self-importance. He looks out for and cares for others, for every one of us. And this is the type of love that the Bible's talking about. This is the kind of love that has been shown to us and the kind that he wants us to show others. Love has become a very mixed up term with very little meaning. Today, people are very confused about love. And yet love is the greatest of all human qualities. If we read further down in Corinthians 13 and verse 13, the last verse, it says, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. You see, love is an attribute of God himself. Who's heard people say that God is love? We hear it said often. But what does that mean? Honestly, think about it. God is love. I sat and thought about it. You know, if somebody walked up to me in the street or you walked up to somebody in the street and you said God is love... What does that actually mean? Well, let's have a look at 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves, and don't forget loves, we've just read what love is. It means anyone who is kind who is patient, who is not rude, who is not full of their own self-importance. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's what it means. It's about the way that we act. So it's right here that we realize that love involves sacrifice, it involves unselfish service to others. And to show it gives evidence that we care. It shows others what God is like. To be completely honest, the worldly kind of love, not godly love, is the biggest reason why families get so messed up, why friends become enemies, why relationships go completely haywire. 
You know, one of the saddest things that I see so often is when married couples talk about their mate's flaws to other people. They tear down the person that they're supposed to love. Love should build up, not tear down. So Corinthians 13 tells us that love is the greatest of all. And yet, we harbour grudges. We refuse to forgive, even though Christ forgives us. Worldly love is all about us. It's not about others. It's the biggest reason why families become disjointed. You know, we all have this one that doesn't talk to that one in the family. So-and-so won't come to Christmas because they're upset, they're holding a grudge, something's going on. But there is an antidote to all of that. It's love. But it's the godly kind of love. It's the love that is patient. It's the love that's kind. It's forgiveness. It's not being irritated. It's looking out for others before you look out for yourself. It seems to me that faith is the foundation and content of God's message, and we tend to get that. And hope is the attitude and focus, and most of the time we get that. But love is the action, and so often we'd rather take offense than take godly action. When faith and hope are in line, we feel free to love completely because we're under, we understand how God loves. Now, before you feel that this is just way too hard, I learned a long time ago that while it does take some effort and perseverance on our part, God doesn't ask us to do things and then make it so hard that we can never achieve them. The Bible is a can-do book. Remember I said at the beginning, do you think God likes the way you behave sometimes? And yet, he not only forgives you when you behave badly, but he continues to love you, to wait patiently And he always wants the best for you. We're about to celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ. God sent his son into this world to save it. And if this world is ever going to receive Christ this Christmas, it's through the actions that we take. John 13 and verse 35 says, Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. And I tell you what, your friends, your family won't know Jesus if you can't let go of that grudge. They won't know him if you continue to lose your temper. They won't know him if you keep behaving rudely. They will know him when you show love, and that's God's kind of love. God first loved us, and now we must love others. John 
everybody knows this verse, but I'm going to read it. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Christmas is when love came down in the form of baby Jesus. We're about to celebrate that. You know, it says there that God loved the world. It doesn't say he liked it. He loved it so much, he loved us so much, that he was willing to forgive us all our mistakes. And he's calling us to do the same with others. This is certainly not meant to be a condemning message because the Bible says that we all fall short of God's glorious standard. But all of us can do better. We can love others better. We can bring Christ to the people around us this Christmas. I want this Christmas to be the best that we have ever had. Not because we get the best presents or have the best meal, but because we take the best action in love and we put something right that has been wrong. A Christmas where we can truly rejoice in the birth of our Saviour because we've made a difference in someone else's life. This Christmas, let's bring God's love down. Let's say sorry. Let's write a letter. Let's do something. Take action in love. Let this Christmas be the one where we truly begin to live for the greater cause. The greatest cause of all, the cause of Christ. And show love his way. In a moment, I'm going to open up the altar and I'm going to invite you to come to do business with God. You know, as I've said before, the altar is where you come to have something altered. I want you to begin to get ready right now. But just before we do that, could I just ask everybody to close their eyes? I don't know everybody here. And every week we give people the opportunity to receive Jesus. So I want you to get ready to come if you've never done that before. Right now, just with your eyes closed so that you can give people privacy. If you already know Jesus, I'm not talking to you. But for those who have never said yes to Jesus, I'm talking to you right now. I want to tell you a story. Have you ever had someone fall completely in love with you and pursue you, but you were just not interested? Maybe the timing was wrong. Maybe you just weren't sure. Have you been looking for love and so want to find the perfect one, but the one who seems to be pursuing you, you're just not into? They buy you gifts. They leave love notes. They're always there to comfort you in the bad times. They send sweet little messages on Facebook. 
One day, they tell you how much they love you and you don't know what to say, how to react because you're just not in love with them and they're heartbroken. But they love you so much that they let you go. They allow you to have your free will. They don't force themselves on you. They're not rude or hurtful. They put your wishes before their own, but they wait patiently all your life if that's what it takes to have you love them back. This is how God loves us. He doesn't barge in. He offers us an invitation. He's a gentleman. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he so loved you, that he sent his Son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And that life can start right here, right now. So can I ask, while every eye is closed and nobody's looking around, if you have never asked Jesus into your life and you want to do that right now, can I ask you to raise your hand so that I can see it? And I'm going to invite you to come to the altar in just a moment. Just give you that opportunity. Okay. I ask you to open your eyes. I invite you to stand. So I'm going to open up this altar as I said and I tell you what if you need forgiveness this morning I want you to come if you need to do something in love and you need the strength to do it I want you to come if you realize that change in your family starts with you I want you to come if you know you need to show God's love more I want you to come if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, I want you to come. We're just going to begin to sing. And as we do that, come forward if you want prayer for anything at all. And I will pray with you.
great message of love. Made me feel guilty. I apologise right now for being irritable sometimes, my dear. I love my wife. She has to be one of the most forgiving people on this earth. I know because she's married to me. But that was an absolutely awesome message. Thank you for that. Let's give her a big hand. And that is a fitting way to end the last of our Advent services. Uh, I want to thank all the volunteers who made this possible because having two services on a Sunday for four weeks when you're not used to that format has certainly made it uh, interesting and challenging for people but I think uh, we came through with flying colours so you have my admiration and my heartfelt thanks for everything that's been put into place for this. It's been a, a fabulous experience for us and I hope it has been for all of you as well. Um, but from next Sunday, well from next Saturday actually, we're back to one service on a Sunday um, so you can breathe a, a small sigh of relief. Although Christmas is going to be really exciting. Remember, it's here five o'clock next Saturday. Christmas is upon us. So remember to bring your friends and family. It's going to be an exciting service with, a, as I said before, a great party afterwards. So we're really looking forward to that. And don't forget to also come along to our New Year's Eve service. And what else is on? Ooh. Breakfast. Yeah, well, that, that's another thing to think about in the New Year. Um, and so I hope you have a great week. Don't get too stressed preparing for Christmas. And you have, if you have children in C3 Kids, you need to get them in the next five minutes or so. That would be 